everyone. Welcome back to Central American Voices. This is Susan Garcia. Hola, bienvenidos a Voces Centroamericanas. Mi nombre es Alejandra Quiroz. Le agradecemos por sintonizarnos una vez más. So today we're talking with Amanda Wanda. She's a recent graduate from Emory University, a QVS fellow and member of M Collectiva. We're going to be talking today about fragmented family structures. Thank you, Amanda, for being with us today. Yeah. Um, hi. So, yeah, my name is Amanda. I was born and raised in El Salvador um, in Central America. So I was there, you know, till I was 18 years old. Um, and I moved to the United States for college. So, yeah, I went to Emory University. And so far, I've been here for five years, going on six. Um, but I would identify with the immigrant label, you know, because mm -hmm. um, that's a kind of a reality. Um, but mm -hmm. during that process, I think I went from, you know, once you go to college, you kind of have this kind of trying to understand yourself situation. <laughs> you know? uh -huh, yeah. So I, um, I kind of identify now as a person when it comes to like, yeah, I'm kind of an intellectual, kind of an artist, kind of um, this spiritual person trying to understand the world, you know? So at the moment I'm doing this fellowship called Quaker Voluntary Service Program. And I'm in Portland now. Um, first year here um, and I spent most of my time in Atlanta Georgia which was um, a whole experience you know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah perfect yeah that's a lot um, and you came here like at the age of 18 right I yeah I was 18 going on 19 okay wow yeah so yeah so you know thank you thank you for taking the time to talk with us today I sadly Susie couldn't make it today but it's only gonna be Uh, you know, Amanda and I today. So, um, as you talk a little bit about your experiences, how you know at the age of 18 going to 19 here to the United States, um, how was your experience moving to the United States and how was the transition? Um, you know, so I thought it was really interesting because the transition took at least two years. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, I, I, th I feel like it's still a process right now, mm -hmm. but, um, At first, I think I was very aware that was kind of different. Um, and how was it? It was it was it was just complicated, you know, because my dad is actually so my stepdad, who I call my dad, right? My father figure. Um, he is actually American and white, but I never got adopted by him or anything. And he lived in Costa Rica for 35 years. Um, so I grew up kind of going to California every summer. Um, so there was kind of this sense of kind of knowing the United States. But when I went to Georgia, I did not realize that was different than California. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like, it's like, yeah, I know when you hear that, you're just like, yeah, it's different. I'm like, yeah, I just didn't know how different it was. Mm -hmm. Um, it was still a lot more liberal, which was kind of nice for me because I'm queer mm -hmm. and everything, you know? So, mm -hmm. um, but now that I'm in Portland, I realize it's actually a lot more conservative than I realized. Um, mm -hmm. yeah, but, um, yeah, so that was part, I think that was a big part of it, you know, that I was in Georgia. It was not what I expected. Um, it was still really liberal, but didn't seem as like 
flamboyantly liberal as like LA or like Portland or New York city, you know, where you find like everything and anything. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I guess that was part of the expectation that kind of left me um, kind of struck. And then the other part was that, you know, like I would hang out with um, a lot of Latinx kids at first. And then I realized that because most of us came from the South, I mean, not us, but like most of them came from the South, you know, there was kind of this, this still, and this was something that was among everybody, right? There's still mm -hmm. kind of this sense of fear and um, difficulty in explaining your, ex your experience because you come from such a conservative places, right? So a lot of those dialogues haven't, weren't there. And so it was just really hard, you know, to understand, like, kind of to understand this world mm -hmm. um, of the Southern conservatism, which includes all the oppression and everything, you know. And then it was at the same time that Black Lives Matter was having a little bit of mm -hmm. a push when it was kind of just starting. So that was like 2015 that I came and from my understanding, Black Lives Matter was kind of founded in a few years earlier, mm -hmm. right? Um, officially founded. Um, and so I was really shocked. Uh, I don't know. It, like, I'm, I'm someone who really is interested in social issues, right? So yeah. it was kind of a shocker to have all these new dialogues and not really know how, how I fit in in them or how to relate to black and brown people when i wasn't from there mm -hmm. right um and also i'm low income so um like most international students that we know of are are pretty wealthy but i'm low income mm -hmm. so it was kind of an interesting dynamic to me in that um especially at emory um university um so that was a hard transition then i was really involved in violence prevention in el salvador um, you know, by creating youth programs. But then when I tried to, and I saw that as part of immigration, right? Prevent, prevention of immigration as well. But once I came here and tried to get myself involved, it was a lot more around undocumented immigrants, you know, the law, um, mm -hmm. detention, detention centers, et cetera. So, and then Trump was starting to try to get elected, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so I, you ask how the transition was like. It was a lot. <laughs> yeah, I can tell. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot. Um, yeah, so it I, took a while. Yeah, yeah, because I, I mean, you said like you moved here like almost five years ago, and I it's, until right now that you mentioned, you know, with the President Trump, I'm just like, wait, that was actually almost five years ago. So it's like I can only imagine like all the conversation transition and the how you had to adapt to, um, you know, like you said, Atlanta, Georgia, right? Yeah. Um, I, I am the same as you. Like, I moved here probably, I mean, I'm about to go to nine years, uh, but I never realized how each, like, uh, stage is, is, sorry, state is different. Like, until right now that I'm having, like, more conversation with other people from another, like, side of another country, I'm like, oh, you know, it's different. And I'm just like, oh, I thought, like, I thought, you know, like, I, you yeah. know, I was like, wait, I thought, like, everybody had this good thing as California. Like, it has been an eye-opening for me, even that I haven't experienced going to somewhere else. So, I totally, you know, feel you on that. And, you know, I feel like it's, it's very important to mention how, you know, like you moved here because of college and how 
the experience was, right? How for you it was, you know, I I, I always see like a new, um, you know, not beginning, but like a new experience, especially because, yeah. you know, like all the conversations you have to go around and you know, transition to move to any place is, is completely like different and to everyone experiences different. But I'm, I was very interested in how you talk about how, you know, going to, into those spa- spaces, you never knew where to fit in. Right. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that I wanted to ask you and a little bit more on relation of um, the title is, you know, you said that, you know, your um, stepdad was, you consider your dad um, and your mom, where, where she was at this time, it was. She was El Salvador. Yeah. El Salvador. Okay. So how, how does family um, was important to you during that transition? So it was complicated, you know, because uh, my, my family's, my parents are actually divorced. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still consider this, this man, my dad, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Um, and so my brother's actually in New York city, but he has a green card. Then my mom's in El Salvador. Then mm-hmm. my dad was white. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's in California. So he's in North Cal. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of my family from my mom's side is an immigrant family. And they're in LA. Right. So for some reason, that geographical separation mm-hmm. made the transition a little harder. Yeah. Um, especially with the financial constraints. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also made me realize, you know, I, I just remember a big part of the transition was kind of understanding what an Im- what it meant to be an immigrant. Mm-hmm. And I think it's much more than just a cultural shock. It's more about how do you find community? How do you find a fam? Whether that's a chosen family or your actual family, you know. Um, and how do you kind of navigate that, right? Yeah. Because like most of my family was in the West Coast, but because my family was this more Americanized family part of my whole family, it's it's hard to explain. But we're like this kind of unit that was not like the rest. Mm-hmm. It, it always felt kind of this distance with my immigrant family in LA um and then after my parents divorced like my brother migrated and he got his green card through his own means right um and so I I think I've slowly kind of understood like the whole like mixed immigrant mm-hmm. um immigration status situation mm-hmm. is something really common among families here um and it took me a while to understand that and how that kind of changes opportunities for each person mm-hmm. um then the aspect of wow like you might be migrating to new jersey whereas someone else might be in your family might be migrating to texas you know what mm-hmm. i mean yeah but those mi- migrants um immigrants also have families abroad right and it's kind of this whole separation you know mm-hmm. that i don't think we talk about enough because you're always in a state of separation with your family definitely does that make sense yeah that's totally makes sense <laughs> it totally makes sense and actually it makes me remind of my family to be honest yeah because <laughs> yeah, you know like I, I i think i have said it before like i migrated here after my parents divorced so my dad lives back in Honduras he has a family over there and then I live here with my brother and my mom mm-hmm. so at least I you know like it, compared to your experience I think I can say like I had my mom and my brother close to but like 
that separation of you know that I was a daddy's girl right so like I was mm. like so that separation really like took um the whole like thing to me like it really affected me and now that I look back like I have some like Dia here I have like otros primos like in Chicago the ways over there in like New York and another one so like in Miami but like in reality one of my closest family most of my family have migrated to Spain so mm. I have been having this conversation where like my even with my boyfriend trying to explain how you know like if I can imagine you know, when I'm able to go back to my country to visit my family, if I can imagine my family, how it was when I came here, I will never be able to experience it the same way because half of my family has migrated. And the only people that I have back in Honduras is only like some tios, mis abuelas. And that's it. You know, like my closest cousins that I move in, they're like some in like South Carolina, other ones in Spain, like in other ones in like another country. I think some move to Mexico. So it's like, out, like you see, like the separation of family does, you know, it starts to expand and expand and expand. So I always tell people like how I knew my family what before I came here, like that's that will never happen again. Like I, I feel like I will never have the connection that I have before because now I have to technically visit like another continent to go visit them. Yeah, I totally yeah. understand that. Yeah, and then how I think it's very like interesting how you mentioned like you learn how to like what to be an immigrant because I think that going through the transition and everyone who defines themselves as an immigrant or having to a different place needs to go through a transition of going like, oh, wait, like, so what does that mean? You know, like, you, you come across <laughs> to, like, these obstacles and you're like, oh, wait, you know, like, I didn't experience that before, so that's what it means to be an immigrant. Yeah, you know, like, yeah I get that. And also there's, like, the legal aspects of it, you know, because, mm-hmm. like, yes, I immigrated or, like, migrated. I don't know what the actual word is, you know, uh, because of school. But I was actually kind of, like, running away from El Salvador because I hated how, like, mm-hmm. phobic it is, right? Oh, yeah. And so mm-hmm. that, added, uh, that added a different layer um, of – and this is something I talked to some of my queer immigrant friends, too, which I'm very lucky to also have found – I think only one specifically. I don't know why I say friends. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> it's like, there's always this hope of like, oh, will I actually stay? But it's different. It's when you're a student, right? Um, you're technically under the whole like non-immigrant status and non-immigrant visa, which means that's temporary. And even that sense of temporariness, you feel it throughout the whole of college. <laughs> You know, and now that I'm kind of stuck here because of COVID, um, I've I've been reflecting a lot on that as well. And it's kind of, um, you also don't understand when you migrate how visa status or um, legal status can affect how you feel in the country. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, Mm -hmm. And how people will understand you, right? Because if you have a green card, it's different than you have a citizenship, right? And um, if you have a... um, any kind of visa status that completely affects what you can do. Um, and, and how you feel in the country. Right. Um, Cause for me, like, for example, every end of the semester was like, Oh shit. Sorry. I don't know if I can curse, but no, you can um, curse. Don't worry. I was like, Oh shit. Like I have to pack all my stuff. Like where mm-hmm. do I leave it? Right. And the whole concept mm-hmm. of storage units was not a thing, oh, you know, yeah. 
Like, mm-hmm. I was like, wait, but I can't even afford that, you know? Um, that part being low income, the other part being like, wait, how do people do this? Do people know that you have to, like, take everything out? <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. like, I, I just didn't get that. And for, like, international students, it's really, like, a trip to have to figure that out. But then it kind of reminds you, oh, like, I don't actually have a permanent home here. Or, like, oh, is it worth it for me to leave the city for the summer if I don't have where to store things or like um what else it's just kind of constant reminder that you don't belong you know Mm -hmm. um and also I was really sad but like I get I guess like um it sounds sad I'm yes but and this and that's the reality of it. <laughs> you know, that you're actually like, oh man, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not I'm not permanently here. But, I, but but of course there are always good aspects about it, right? It's like I'm meeting people from other countries. Like I love I realize that I I'm better off with people who are in, internationally minded or even like first gen or usually like first gen who are very in touch with their parents' culture, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. I relate to them a lot more and they can, and we can have like conversations around like our countries and everything, you know? Um, but once it gets to second and third gen, it's a little harder. Yeah. Um, and then with immigrants, it's great, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So it's, it's still giving me access. It's, 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 it's it being an immigrant, like kind of like if you're, do, if you're doing it in a way that you're not focusing on the bad parts, but you're trying to figure out how to construct your life, you kind of, get to understand like who you really are in a way or like what Mm -hmm. you what you are most inclined to being and doing and what's actually worth your time you know um yeah yeah definitely definitely I think that I I didn't notice how like you know people like like you you know like that has a certain visa how like they actually have to like move all around. I I always thought like you know yeah you have a student visa and you're allowed to stay here for like the amount of you're in college. But I thought it would like be easier to find you know like I don't know like a house or something like that. I know there's some restrictions when it mm-hmm. comes to it, but like I said like I'm not very familiar with every visa and and I know every visa means like some like different obstacles how you say. But it's very interesting to see you know like how your point of view and how. The struggle is for like, you know, a student, like an immigrant who came with a student visa, because I, like you said, most of the people that we know that come with the student are like, are well off, you know, like yeah. they they can at least be like, okay, I'm going to, I don't know, somewhere else. And they don't have to even think about like where, where you're going to live or where yourself are going to be like, or if I live the city, like where where I'm gonna you know what I mean like yeah it's like if your parents don't have international credit cards and you you need to rent a, rent an apartment good luck with that mm-hmm. oh yeah <laughs> you know um yeah it's definitely you're right I feel like there there are these stereotypes about international students and what that visa allows you to do or not allows you to do uh, but definitely I think what really like kind of made people realize that they're that we are as vulnerable as a lot of people is what happened with ice earlier this summer. Mm -hmm. Yes. You know? Um, And at the same time, it's like, it's complicated because like, I think um, students actually still have less, uh, still, I have, have, how do I say it? Um, So 
I feel like if you're a low income student or a working class H1B person, right? Mm-hmm. So you mm-hmm. happen to get a job or you were actually low income for most of your life. Um, it's going to be harder to be here anyway if you don't have support systems that are familiar, right? And um, the legal processes are also really hard because most of the community services that I've seen so far for Im- immigrant services, right, for immigration services, don't are not about, they don't handle non-immigrant cases, which are H-1B visas or work visas or um, business visas or student visas. So that also creates a, a another divide, you know. Um, yeah, I've been thinking a lot about that, uh, especially yeah. with because it's just really hard. I think it's like the conversations around immigration are just really hard when you know that there are all these different levels of privileges that people have because of the visas, but also because of um, because of their financial status or their skin color. You know, it's like. Um, but there's some conversations around class that are still not happening. Um, and I think that that's definitely affected by who your family is. You know, how do you guys migrate? Um, how much financial support do you have from your family, et cetera? You know? Yeah, definitely. I think I think we mentioned a little bit of, like, a past episode. Uh, I don't remember the episode number, but, like, we talk about how, like, the not only like the status but like the different layers of immigration like you know like there's undocumented there's people who uh, migrated you know like through the border people who overstay people who are like DACA people like you know like work visas student visas and x y and z right and Mm -hmm. like how sometimes when we talk about migration and we talk about struggles sometimes we like to just focus to like oh just the undocumented part of it but i think that when we talk about when we need to talk about and have those conversations about migration we should talk like include everybody just because like everybody has their own struggle and everybody has to like adapt and go to like a different space to you know like overcome those struggles and I, yeah. I, I think, like I said, like, I feel like we still need to have more conversation about how class works. Like, I, I mean, I don't like the definition of like middle, like poor middle and high class and all that. Thing, yeah. It's just like uh, going over all that. But it, it honestly, sometimes it does affect you and then it affects how many opportunities you have, like in, in certain spaces. Yeah, absolutely. And it's really interesting once you come to families, you know, like going back to the topic, um, because, you know, like once you're part of the immigrant family, like, I mean, like the immigrant community, you kind of like also earn like a whole family as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, rather people. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> yes. um, but it's really interesting because um, my mom, one of my mom, two of my mom's best friends are actually on the East Coast. Right. Uh, which which going back to the other question you were asking about transition, like actually helped me with my transition. Um, because one of them, um, is in Queens and the other one is in Washington, DC. And one of them managed to get her papers. And then the other one is still undocumented. Right. Um, but the thing is that, they also brought their children with them. Um, and when I visited them, it was this kind of surreal experience of being back in El Salvador, but with the American infrastructure, if that makes sense. I was like in this, in this, like I was in this apartment 
but inside it smelled like frijoles and everything, you know? Um, and we were talking Spanish and just like chilling, you know, and, and just like, you know, just, I don't know. It was just, and so i was just like oh this this kind of makes sense why people say that they're salvadoran even though they were raised here <laughs> you know um because this would help me maintain that sense of identity um and just being able to talk about to people who are older than me who i have known since i was a child you know um about what i was feeling and what i was going through and then that they could also talk to my mom about it you know or you know, stay in touch with her, like, um, that was just r really revealing in many ways, you know, like, I don't believe anyone in our countries, you know, like, if you're born and raised in, if you're still in Central America, whether, you, whatever social class you're in, I think everybody has an immigrant family. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, yeah, and in the end, that that also puts you at a disadvantage once you're the actual immigrant, because nothing makes sense. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know? um, and so, having that revelation that you know, like whether that's family, friends, or actual family, you know, that we're all kind of—I don't know—it was really sobering to realize that even if I didn't believe that I was part of an immigrant community in El Salvador, I was. You know? Yeah. Um, and if you're here, like you can't escape that, you know, whether you are like living here for a long time. Like you don't you can't escape that. You know what I mean? Like if if I were to have children here and three generations later they're gonna be like, Yeah, my family was was like a family of immigrants, you know? Maybe at fourth generation they'll kind of forget, but before that they won't. <laughs> you know, they like won't. it doesn't yeah. leave you. It doesn't no. leave you. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. And you just have this kind of weird sense of this person's here and this other person's there and this other person's there. And it's not the same as like American families that grew up here. And then they're like, I have a friend who grew up in Texas and now he's in Atlanta. It's not the mm -hmm. same, you know, it's kind yeah, of it's similar. Yeah. It's kind of similar in the sense of like, you're in another city and you're not you're not expected to come back but you can still kind of come together you know what i mean mm -hmm. without yeah. restrictions um whereas for us it's more than just a, a state apart it's more than just a few countries apart is cultures and languages and and visa statuses and um different ideas about money and about success and about all these things you know it's it's so much more than just being separated by borders you know yeah, definitely. And I think that is very important to know how, like, you know, it's it's honestly more than borders, more than separation when it comes to, like, comparing, you know, like someone migrating to another or, like, moving to another city than actually moving to another country. Yeah, it's how you said, like, um, you know, yeah, it can be, like, first gen, second gen, third gen, and then fourth gen already, I feel like it already, like, se va desparciéndola. La cultura, mm -hmm. or like the knowledge of like oh you know like your family migrated to like this country um and i'm so thankful like you know like you were able to experience that how like inside the household you felt like you were back in El Salvador because i have had like the experience when i come to visit to other you know like families or they're not only family like friends like you know like 
me and my family migrated here. So aquí todavía comemos frijoles, muy baleadas, el todo, mm -hmm. el pollo con tajadas, all that thing, right? It's, it's, it's normal. Like, it's normal for me to be talking with my mom. Like, vos, like, más con my family. That, that's normal, right? But I, I, it, it was like, like you said, like it was for me and I opening how, because sometimes I couldn't explain how, you know, people that were born here and like first gen, how they still like have this strong cultural identity. Like mm -hmm. I'm talking strong. Like I, I know my friend, like for me, I was so amazed. Like she, she's Nicaraguan. And when I went to her, like the first time I visited her, like her family, like it was this house, like I have visited like the actual country in Nicaragua three times. And when I went inside that house, like, todo era como, you know, like, okay, oh, gallo pinto, or like stuff like that. And I'm just like, wait, like, this is actually, you know, like, families are, even though, like, they have generation of migration, or they have been living here through, like, the years. I feel like, even mm -hmm. though they have been assimilated in the American way, how you said, um, some, they still try to be as connected to their homeland. And I think that is very beautiful, even though, like, yeah, there might be like mom, dad, sons, and daughters, and, you know, here, but they have like grandparents, tios, primos back in the country, and there's still like a connection to it. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think it's, it's very like beautiful to even see that how like each generation, like, not only works, but like how they express herself, you know, like even through the years of migration and like for me like I never knew like I was like I never like understood the term of fragmented family structure just because it's like you know like some, some of my knowledge is like more in Spanish so like I never knew the actual translation of English that's the reality um so what is the fragmented family structure and how does that work right um so it's not anything official, right? Mm -hmm. It's just the way that I kind of conceptualized um, the feeling of separation, but not that you're fully apart. Does that make sense? Um, yeah. But at the same time, how it kind of feels forced. Because mm -hmm. um, I think like... I don't know, with the experience of my brother having to migrate, um, it was kind of a shock to my system. But then I realized that I'm not the only one who's had like a family member have to migrate for X or Y reason, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like for some people it's violence, but other hand it's like, um, uh, it could be, you know, LGBT rights, you know, like mm -hmm. um, hate crimes, or it could be something like, um, you know, domestic violence, or it could be something as, you know, it's like I could go through all the recent environmental reasons, right? Mm -hmm. But it, the fact that someone is actually pushed to go, yeah, you know, and what keeps you together is that hope. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, you can't help but experience this sense of shattering, you know, um, from that nucleus of that family, you know? And then if you expand it, and you think a lot about how this is an experience that happened to tu abuela, tu abuelo, you mm -hmm. know, or that still live in, in, in the country, you know, but also how that probably is an experience that you feel as an immigrant, you know, 
it's still a shock you know yeah and like you were saying it's like you never feel like it'll come back together so i just kind of came up with that term you know it wasn't i think i was just trying to like figure out how to explain it um i think it's much more of a metaphor than anything else mm-hmm. yeah definitely yeah. and i think it's very beautiful how you said like it's, it's, there's always that hope because i mean like even though to people that are not you know that they hope to see their families again is like as i said like it will never come together but you still have a hope to see them like i i always try to explain people when they ask me like oh you know like how why are you migrating here you know like questions like that like people have asked me before and i was i'm always like you know like my experience is different from everyone's experience i immigrated because of my parents divorced my mom wanted to put like like a land between my dad and my mom, you know, and <laughs> so I just just like <laughs> yeah, I wanted to like bye, <laughs> you know, and it, it's for for her. It's always you know like I always ask her like mom because like because you know we used to come to visit here my family we used to be just tourists you know mm-hmm. and out of the sudden like when you my mom was like oh. In November, no vamos, and and it was like, like I said, like it, for me, it was a shock, yeah. right? Because I'm just like, okay, estoy en primero de ciclo. Like I don't know, I never thought in my life that I was gonna move to another country, you know? Right. I have to say bye to my friends, to my family. Like going back to those memories of like how I have to say bye to my family is like insane right because it's like okay like i actually don't know when i'm gonna come back <laughs> you know it's like saying bye um i love pronto but in reality not knowing when you're gonna see each other and one of the things that like i said like i always try to explain it you know i migrate for for family reasons people migrate for like violence people migrate for political reasons for environmental reasons for economic reasons for education reasons everybody has different reasons to come to move knowledge to the united states or another countries for for X, Y, and Z. And that not only affects your close family, but it affects also your extended family. Yeah. One of, yeah. One of the things that I feel like, um, as we talk with family, one of the things that literally, uh, I, I'm a hundred percent many people who don't know when you're going to see your loved ones again. I've experienced that was when my grandpa passed away and I couldn't go mm-hmm. visit, you know, and it's like, you had the hope to see the person again. You had yeah. the hope to hug him. You had the hope of seeing, you know, like all oh, your your sacrifice was worth it because in my in my case, he was the one who pushed my mom. You have to go and like my grandpa's my dad's dad, mm-hmm. right? So it's, it's very like ironic how my dad's family was telling my mom like, oh, you have to go. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know? and, there, huh? Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, I, you know, and going back and then like you know your sacrifice was worth it your everything that you said you know like i was able to have like a better education or or x y and z right my mom was able to have a more peace mental health mm-hmm. and all the things that goes through a divorce because a divorce not only affects the couple it affects the kids yeah and, and you know like but the question is always is it mm-hmm. worth it you know, yeah, because yeah, of the family situation, because it always goes back to family for some reason. And I don't, and I don't, I, and I've always thought that it was because we're Latin American 
you know that always goes back to that i don't know if that's for everybody else you know but it just takes so much effort staying in touch mm-hmm. oh you know? yeah so you're always like especially if you're like first gen or zero gen or whatever if you're like the first immigrant it takes so much effort and you're always like is it worth it and like i hear you i hear you like i'm so afraid of my grandma dying before i can before i actually live there and get to know her a little more you know um or like just seeing my little cousins like grow up without me oh my god yes yeah you know what i mean it's just yeah. like oh damn you're 14 now 16 yeah, right i don't recognize your voice like, uh, who you are know, you the last <laughs> yeah the last cousin that i met she's like i think she's going through going to be 10 now and she's always talking to me like when i call my grandma she's always talking to me and like all my little cousins are like and like i'm just like wait like i cannot visit you first yeah and second of all like why are you getting jealous of me because i met her when she was a baby now she's like 10 you know what i mean like mm-hmm. like you said you know like now i have like probably like five or six more cousins after i moved that i haven't met i don't even know like i haven't even met my brother like mm. my my half brother like i haven't met him so it's it's that connection of you know if for me i always try to do like a circle of calling because like you said like it's, it's actually an effort to stay in touch like i try to call my family after work like, one day i call my dad Another day I call my grandma. Another day I call my cousin. And the, like the other day I'll call like, I don't know, like probably my, my little brother. It's just like something like that. But it's it's always an effort of like, because mm-hmm. at the same time, you still have to work. You have to go through life here. You have to go to school. You have to all do the things and then still trying to be connected to back home. Yeah. I don't know how they did it without social media. Oh. I have had those questions too. Like, because <laughs> it, like, I don't know if it's the same in, 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 in El Salvador, uh-huh. but I don't know how mail and letters work back in Honduras. Like, I, I don't, I honestly no, don't no, think no, there's no. an actual address. No, see, I'm siento como que like illiterate when I'm doing mail here. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, we don't, we don't have it. We don't have such a great mail, mailing system. No. So. No, even like you already told me, I mean, prima la esposa, like, because she would ask me, like, oh, you know, like, um, can you send me something? And I was like, well, como te lo mando si no hay una dirección? Like, honestly, if you ask me for that, it's like, go straight here, go to the left, go to the right, you're going to see an árbol, la pulpería, pooh, I said, you know, like, that's how. Exactly. So, yeah, but I, I never understood how, like, before I used to. I still, I remember, like, some of the things that I remember when my tia was here and sometime when my dad used to come here and I was back in Honduras. There was this system and, like, poquito, pero todavía estaba, o sea, ya estaba empezando el internet, pero no era como, like, ahora que puedes tener Facebook, Instagram, and you always connect, right? Había esta paginita de Tigo that you go and write the number that you're going to send a text. And le mandaba por decir, hola, I don't know, por decir Alejandra, por poner mi nombre. Hola, Alejandra, soy blah, blah, blah. Y le caía, like, I'll get my the message over there, but I couldn't reply. I will only mm. be getting message. Because I remember, like, my tía used to do that, like, hola, like, le mandaba mensajes a mi, a mi mamá. O a veces, like, how 
Um, Gosh, that's so hard. I know. And then I, I know that, like, my neighbor uh, has the collection of cards. Of, you know, like, when they put a saldo on the phone, they put, like, cinco dollars and that was it for, like, 30 minutes. That's kind of cute, but also kind of sad. <laughs> I know. I'm always like, ah, thanks a lot to WhatsApp, okay? <laughs> Thank you. No, I really appreciate it. Yeah, but, okay. My abuelo siempre, like, he would always call. My grandpa would mm-hmm. always call, right? And I just remember being like, hey, why are you coming back when I was five? Eventually, I gave mm-hmm. up, right? But mm-hmm. he keeps calling my grandma on the phone. Like, mm-hmm. but not, like, the cell phone. It's, mm-hmm. like, the land phone. Okay, yeah. What's that called? The, is that called the land phone? I don't know. Uh, no, the landline. The landline. Land uh-huh. uh-huh. Yeah, but... Que le llamando... Todo el tiempo, right? it's just uh-huh. really weird. It's just really weird. I don't know. It's just it's just kind of like different. Yeah. You know? I call her through uh-huh. WhatsApp. I call my mom through oh, yeah. Facebook Messenger. Then I call my now. Okay, it's really weird. Also, interesting thing. Once I moved to the U.S., um, so my brother and my dad were already in the U.S. I got closer to them because I was able to call them by phone in their time zone you know for some reason i was able to call them a lot more easily um so it was just really weird i remember just being like oh i feel kind of closer to them because i can just reach them easily mm-hmm. you know yeah so that made a difference as well yeah definitely yeah. i think that, that the other thing that they, that they use I'm, I'm trying to remember like because it's very interesting how you ask like how did they do it without social media because i'm like wait it's true like El internet like has come like probably like, two thousands, I don't know, something like that, mm-hmm. to be like more like accessible. Because I remember like <laughs> de esos teléfonos que te vas como like you know like you're in your little colonia in el barrio, and hay esos uh, lugares que se llaman cyber cybernet or something like that. Mm-hmm. Te ibas and then ahí le decías oh llámame a o sea te voy a llamar a tal 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 hora and uh, and she, that, the person will be there at that time I don't know like it's just weird it's still too even weird it's like, hard to imagine you know it's like how often do they actually talk you know like mm-hmm. um I don't know yeah and it's not like you know I feel like before not everyone used to have like a phone and before like the phones were like unas cositas tan pequeñas no para llamar y mandar mensajes you know what I mean so like WhatsApp didn't exist so I, I, I'm always so thankful with WhatsApp because I can call anybody in my WhatsApp I, I usually just use WhatsApp for my family so yeah it's it's honestly I make it easier and it has made you know be more connected and I like my my grandmother has Facebook so I can see that at least they're posting and you know they're fine <laughs> You know, mm-hmm. your tears mm-hmm. come in those little violin in your pictures, but like Yeah, like even with COVID for 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 example, Mutio, like he got he got COVID and it was really bad. Um which is fine he's fine now, right? But I wouldn't have been able to find out so quickly. Uh, can you imagine if he had been sick and then I was I had a landline and I hadn't been home well, I would have been home anyway, right? But like let's say I, I just wasn't home for some reason, right? Um I wouldn't have known immediately, right? Yeah, definitely. Uh, now, like, because of having Facebook or whatever, like, I found out really quickly. So, oh, that was that's another thing. It's like being so far away or having family everywhere during COVID is a nightmare. Oh, yeah. Like, I, like, right? Like, I just realized 
I was going through Instagram and someone from my school, like her family is part, part, eh, como que parte irlandesa. So like two sisters were in Ireland. The grandma was in El Salvador with maybe the dad the, and the mom. And then two of the other sisters were in the U.S., you know, and they, they had travel restrictions all the for the whole for a long time and then the grandma died from covid mm. and only her sons and daughters could be there um and then they were posting about it and i was just like oh my god like they're literally having the same even though they're wealthier and better off you know like i was like wow like this is so real like everybody being in different places right now and it's even stronger because of covid Right. And I kind of felt the same way because my dad, he's like older and he, he lives with my stepmom in North Cal. Like I visited, visited them right before um, quarantine started in March. Um, and so and then my brother went back to New York City. But my brother in New York City, right, where you have all these infections and I'm in Atlanta where no one wears masks. You know, <laughs> and my parents are in North Cal, North Cal. And then my mom is in El Salvador. And then all my family's in El Salvador where there's the longest quarantine, one of the longest quarantines in the world, right? So you're just like, what do I do? I can't do anything, right? So I was looking at this friend's Instagram and just being like, wow, like, I'm not the only one right now. But I don't think I would have found out about this without COVID. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. And yeah. that is so true. And, you know, I, I honestly very thankful that with social media that even though like it keeps us together but like covid oh my god it just makes a mess i'm just thankful with that my grandma wasn't like she was with my aunt you know in her house and that's it and that she hasn't left oh for like the longest and that are I, like i know like my family is is where it's supposed to be you know like there's no one like that wanted to come back or needed to travel because it's like you said it's just a mess and it's always like uh it's an extra stress Como mm -hmm. cuando pasó en, like uh, cuando España cerró. I, like i'm always like oh my god like my family over there and then like aquí cierran, and it's like uh and then you have like calls x y and c people like all over and then like then you're in Honduras and then like cuando tu familia se enferma and like go do this but they, like it's just it, mm -hmm. it has been a lot through mm -hmm. all the situation and but yeah um yeah i yeah i just uh, you know this i'm still trying to understand this whole thing about like being an immigrant <laughs> yeah you know it's like yeah yeah it's it's completely understandable like it, it, every immigrant i feel like it goes through that how to after you migrate after you move to different places how families change mm -hmm. you know because of you know communication because of distance because you know life and i think that i'm very thankful to you know you come here and talk about like you know the family structure and how family affects and you know especially sharing your transition how to move here and open your like expression to me because i didn't know nothing about like you know like student visas and mm -hmm. um and the struggle that goes with that because it, it is honestly it's, it's so personal as a family we all try to be connected with family and we all try to um, you know, stay together, but migration has made it, you know, 
harder and it, thank you like I, I will continue saying thank you to WhatsApp but still it's like you said it's an effort to stay connected it's an effort to continue to stay in touch and you know to overcome those obstacles of you know not being present because not being present to to let's say like a birthday celebration or you know a, a funeral like yeah we also have that of not being present there mm-hmm. you also have to be present in your own life right mm-hmm. with the yes. family that you are building whether that's friends people who might be latinx or not latinx you know and it's kind of this constant you know there's a cultural thing of having two feet in different places but there's also like the mindset you know of because you and i like i guess like you always have the option of going back you know I always have the option of like, I'm going to go back next year. Like, I don't know what the option is. I mean, if I continue going to school, you know, but I don't want to do that. Um, but there's always this, because even when I go home, like, I think I'll have part of my mind in the U S you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. So, um, it's, it is this kind of dance between like the families that you build here and the families that you have there. And like you can, and, and that you continue building over there, you know. It's just, um, it's just like how are you present in both, right? Um, it's a really interesting thought. Yeah. Don't forget to check out our website at centralamericanvoices.com, where you can subscribe to our mailing list. Also, follow us on Instagram at Centown Voices Podcast and on Twitter at Centown Voices Pod for more updates. And don't forget to come back next week to hear our newest episode.